Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. This is Cop On Podcast. It's been a while. It's been a while. Things have been busy around here. Things have been pretty hectic to put things into context. I think today is a pretty good example. Um, I wanted to go out at 10 a.m., ended up going out at 7 p.m. Uh, because of the, you know, the baby, the the logistical um uh you know challenges that are associated with having a baby but having said that i'm absolutely delighted to be a dad it's a wonderful wonderful feeling and uh, i hope uh, that uh, all of you out there had a marvelous father's day mother's day uh all of the uh you know whatever uh um you know whatever day and you know even if you're not a father or a mother i hope you had some marvelous days since our last episode which was freaking ages ago but i'm so glad to be joined by jack from anfield road tv absolute legend and by another legend nigel uh nigel it's uh it's wonderful to have you back here we're gonna just jump straight into it because what we haven't done yet on cop on is just um give a general overview of last season i'm not going to do any end of season awards because only allison and um you know by chetich young player of the year uh curtis jones most improved player and mo salah who's you know remains incredibly da- dangerous uh, for me only those four players really deserve much from last season um but i want to just get ask you what your score is out of 10 overall for last season Nigel um probably about a six six is very generous you see because i had yeah. another podcast people were saying three or four and i'm going to give it two out of ten why so high as six because uh it's not it's not really the fault of the players the players gave an effort but we were kind of let down i'd have to give uh, kind of a minus six to the, the lack of investment um like the guys went out there and it wasn't through through no effort that's we kind of came a bit unstuck in the middle of the season. Um, like the, the players were basically run off the legs were basically run off the players for for two years, and then we get the World Cup in the middle of it. So uh, I, I'd have to give them marks for lack of, for, for for effort, but give the players mark for effort uh, rather than marking them down when it's not their fault. I like that argument. I like that argument. But there were some games where the body language was pretty horrific, though, Nigel. Right. Like when we went one nil down often because we did so often last season and because it happened so often i mean it's a natural thing for your body language to go down and for you to be pissed off and the players getting pissed off at each other that's something i don't want to see in a liverpool shirt i want i want us to lose goals because you know that happens in football and and react in the right way you know to, to 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 have the confidence and the belief in each other that we can turn it around and raise the level of the football rather than just stand around and whinge at each other and look despondent and especially those times when we lost goals in the first five or ten minutes there were, there were plenty of times last season but so you but you but you're okay with the effort of the players or well, it's only six for effort so it's not exactly ten yeah it's great it's, it's average like basically mm. it's an average mark mm. um, i thought we had a very average season we were probably lower than that but uh i think like at least there was some pluses like you said the usual allison mo by mm-hmm. and some other things cody gakpo actually oh that's, that's a good one yeah, forgot about him. yeah and, and jota coming back mm-hmm. um, some of the lads coming back i thought were very good um bobby signing off his career in bobby style basically um you know he just finished with his head high a big smile on his face and goals. 
what we've always gotten from Bobby. We're gonna miss him, man. We're Absolutely. gonna miss him. He's, he's still got he's still got the mojo. I was calling for a, a, a an extension to his contract a couple of years ago, but it never happened. It never happened. Um, Jack, um, what about you, Jack? What what would you give the uh, the season out of ten? Difficult one. I, I think it, as Nigel's alluded to, mate, and all us three mainly this season, we've done pods and we've reflected on it, which was a very disappointing season for the standards of Liverpool Football Club, especially under the tenure of Jürgen Klopp. I'd give it a five, just mainly due to the position that we finished fifth. Um, obviously, should be getting into the top four, but as Nigel alluded to, if we were vote, we could all probably vote on FSG. We could vote on Klopp's as well. You could probably the players as well. And I think when we done our pods this season, mate, in terms of doing our post matches on Cop on, it was more a case of every single week, or just everyone listening or everyone watching around the world was. Seeing these players that have just hit such great heights, especially the season prior, and then obviously over the last couple of years, players that were Ballon d'Or nominations, like you look at Virgil van Dijk, yes, he's had his injury. Um, I had, I think I was on your podcast at the beginning of the season, mate. I was saying I had great expectations, mainly due to the fact of I put big emphasis really on Virgil van Dijk being in tip-top form. I think he's able to drag a team over the line not obviously on his own but i think he gives every any great team the opportunity to win trophies or be there and be in contention um yeah the, the attitude really not just for van dyke but for quite a lot of those players really mate was was disappointing but yeah five probably a bit too high really but um it was just a disappointing season but as we'll speak tonight mate there's there's a lot of surgery needed um uh, i think we'll be, there'll be a lot more well 99.9% of the fan base going to next season, we have another year like this, will be very, extremely vocal, not just inside the terraces, but in terms of the whole world, every corner of the globe. They will. I mean, the, the, the unrest from the fans uh, after such a disappointing season. I mean, I would I would really give us two because, you know, if we, if we had one out of ten, that would be a Roy Hodgson finish 17th kind of season. Um, uh, we finished you know, fifth, which on paper isn't that bad, but for Liverpool, Liverpool Football Club, it's way below where we should be. And also the thing that was really frustrating for me, um, something that I really hope we we learn from is is the stupidity of not going into the market in January. And there are various arguments and uh, reasons for not doing so, one of which uh, I heard from our friend Fergus, I was texting him uh, today about that, and he, he reckons that Klopp had all of his eggs in, in the Bellingham basket. You know, it's just a feeling he has that he was waiting and waiting and waiting, and then finally it hasn't happened. But if that is the case, or even if it isn't the case, whatever way you look at it, it's a dumbass move. Because had we signed early january because it was obvious from the moment that we panic bought arthur at the end of the window that we needed midfielders and arthur got injured of course and you know all our other players got injured as they regularly do and were all, all completely lost form so it was obvious we needed midfielders early january first of january get someone in second of january first week at, at, at most 
And we didn't. We brought in Gakpo, and as Nigel was saying, great move. So happy about that. Brilliant piece of work. Credit where it's due. That is a wonderful signing. We love him. And that goal, goal of the season for me, the dink over De Gea as part of the 7-0. And, you know, there were moments like a 7-0. But um, it's something that I really want us to learn from last season is just fixing the blinking obvious obvious problems jack and that that something i'm going to stay with you to ask you what you think um we should fix and, and uh, how we can learn from last season and what by bleeding obvious problems i mean the fact that none of our midfielders can run even with McAllister now he also can't run we have no dynamism in midfield whatsoever and that's a freaking obvious it's a fucking obvious my language is getting worse and worse as i go on uh save me jack from my own expletives and tell me uh what would you like to see us improve upon defenses win titles first and foremost you've got chelsea you'll get manchester united um obviously the teams historically in premier league history um and even when we won the league, um, Gomez and City as well. Was, yeah, like, you look at Gomez when we actually won that league title. He's probably one of the, the better centre half for me, really, in terms of that season. Um, but yeah, it, it defensively for me, mate. I've always looked at Liverpool, even when you are playing good or bad. I mean, the one thing fundamental point that City or any elite side does is grind out results, and as long as you keep clean sheets within a game, you give yourself such a massive opportunity. Even if you go into the back end of the last five or ten minutes of a game. Um but the way we've played, especially over the last twelve months, we knew we were gonna be very fatigued. Um I think even my nan would have known. Um even with that midfield. We should probably do a better job in midfield last season. Um so <laughs> midfielders um <laughs> would have offered a lot more legs anyway i tell you that yeah exactly yes he's quite dynamic i heard yeah okay. yeah <laughs> especially on that zimmer frame <laughs> um but yeah defensively for me mate you look at a player than the ilk of Firmino that we are missing i think that the pressing wise obviously if you haven't seen the the documentary um from liverpool I think he revealed the secret that he was a, a centre-half by trade, Bobby, and that really explains his pressing style of uh, attacking for, forward line. Anyway, Gagan Press or whatever you want, to, what you want to call it. Obviously, Gakpo presses, but I think Nunes, he'll get there eventually, but I think he's still got a lot of work to do. But fundamentally, I still think we are crying out for an out-and-out six. Like a Mascherano, a Kante-esque in his prime, uh, a Saicedo even, a player of that quality really, that can just hoover up that opportunity. Someone that's got legs, but can it really transition within the space of pirouetting past one or two players. McAllister potentially has got that, but obviously he's not a defensive, but in terms of when he's got the ball, in terms of retaining the ball, carrying the ball, progressive, progressive carries, he's really good at that. So, yeah, defensively really, mate, because... Um, if we go into this season, I know Nigel alluded to, and I think we all have in terms of the midfield, I think we are sleepwalking. I spoke to Nigel this last this week on the podcast online. We are sleepwalking into a catastrophic defensive crisis, similar to what we did have, was it two, three seasons ago? Um, too much emphasis is going on the midfield, and, and rightly so, because it needs surgery. But 
were only a Canate injury like it was um, in that friendly. I was at that uh, at that game in the beginning of the season. Or Virgil Van Dijk, and especially when Van Dijk's playing at what fifty percent of his capacity, really. Um, in terms of, I don't think he'll ever get back up to those levels. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but when you've got Alison Becker, we've got the best goalkeeper in the land. Him and for me, him, Thibaut Courtois. And obviously, my nan, um, apologies on the pronunciation, um, <laughs> the AC Milan goalkeeper. Um, I think they're the three best goalies in the land at the minute. Mignon. Mignon. There we go. Uh, Mignon. Mike Mignon. <laughs> Mike Mignon. Um, but yeah, disappointing, mate. I'd, I'd mainly put, put that down to him. Well, I mean, it's very interesting stuff, and I totally agree with it with with the centre backs. What, what do you reckon about that? About that, Nigel? Before I ask you about more generally what you would like to fix our centre back problem, because people aren't talking about that enough. Ponate, there's one player that you can trust in any game. He's going to dominate. He's going to be brilliant, probably nine times out of ten. Ibu Konate, absolutely fabulous player. Virgil, yeah, fifty percent of his capacity. Jean Matip was bang average or worse last season and joe gomez was was just not fit for liverpool shirt i'm sorry to say it because he has been brilliant and looking back jack was saying the 1920 season when we did win the league with him he was absolutely rock solid you know i've got some of his appearances in front of me defenses win titles is a great quote from jack there yeah. um you know we for example joe gomez played with bournemouth 3-0 salzburg 2-0 watford 2-0 flamengo 1-0 in the world cup club championship it was gomez at the back uh leicester city 4-0 uh wolves 1-0 sheffield united 2-0 everton 1-0 tottenham 1-0 manchester united 2-0 west ham united 2-0 southampton 4-0 norwich city 1-0 and that's uh, that's from uh december end of december up until uh february the middle of february that season where we won the title all of the games he started pretty much ended in a zero, a big fat zero clean sheet beauty. Part of that was he was playing with the best centre half perhaps the Premier League has ever seen in, in terms of a fit and firing Virgil van Dijk. But Joe Gomez, you can't underestimate his quality. We need two centre backs because now Joe Gomez had the horrible injury. He's lost his his mojo. Unfortunately, Jean Matip has lost his mojo. We need two centre backs, Nigel. What do you think? Yeah, we do. Um, if you look back at our any of our successes. Our team, everything knits together. And if something is out of sync, it usually leads to a kind of a domino effect. That, Like if, if one of the strikers is not kind of holding on to the ball, it leads to a possible problem in midfield. It could lead to a possible problem at the back. We've got to get a cohesive unit back together again. If we're going to play Trent in that role, we need a right back. We need a man who's going to stay in behind. If not, yeah. If not, he's going to have to play a 3-5 one one or whatever. We're going to have to play with three centre backs and play wing backs, and you could possibly possibly play Trent in 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 a three in the middle, but you still got to get a right back in and attack it in that rate. Right, uh, right wing back. Yeah, yeah, mm. yes. Yeah, somebody who's going to <clears throat> possibly slightly more defensive. So and the word from the club, according to Neil Jones, is that we're not going to do that. Which I think Klopp is just playing with his job. If he, if he, if he, if, he, yeah, um, if he thinks that Trent is good enough to cover the the you know, the massive millions of miles of space behind him when he cuts inside. No. That's um, he shouldn't be asked to do that because he's just going we're, forward here for so much. Go we've on. tried lads there now in the last few years. We've tried Trent in it and we looked dodgy enough at parts. We're fine when Trent has the ball and we are midfield has the ball. But like I've said it several times, my dad must be must have pains in his head 
from listening to me shouting too much sideways passing. We're passing ball behind. The idea of us getting on the front foot and we start passing the balls behind so lads are going to have to turn back on themselves to get the ball. It's giving the opposition time to get space or to get their men behind the ball. My idea of passing the ball is pass it in front of them, get on the front foot, get on the half turn and move the ball forward and we just don't do it enough and our our system has suffered for it seriously. Um, Our our system, the way we play at the moment, the lack of midfielders as well, the kind of we, we seem to be kind of in a bit of flux um, as far as our system goes. We need to get a system that we're used to. So yeah, I just just add there, Nigel, he's spot on, mate. The, the the player that is probably being the most sacrificed over the last twelve months is Andy Robbo. We're playing him left sided of a centre half back three, and. I mean, a couple of my mates are in like the main stand as well, season ticket holders. And the amount of times last year he flipped out on people, like the crowd, and that's very unlike Robbo. I get the whole squad was at each other's throats, really. But you spot on there, Nigel, in terms of the way I look at it, and I don't know how you feel, I wouldn't know, Nigel, or anyone listening. Like, it, it, his, he was one of the best, well, he still is one of the best fullbacks in world football, but we're playing him left side of a centre half back three. That's not his best position for me. He's better bombing on past the halfway line. Ideally, he'd have Trent and Robbo as fullbacks and play a back three, more defensive-minded, because um, that very much alleviates. But, of course, Trent with this inside yeah. inverted six now and all that, Malahi, whatever you call it these Just days. Just to give you an example, Jack, <laughs> what, you're, what you're saying there, a perfect example. Moore's goal against Manchester City, the second goal after Fabinho scored the first goal, there we won 3-1. Trent is sitting in right back and he plays this cross-field ball to Robbo who takes one touch and then second touch knocks the ball into Mo who heads it in past Ederson in the goal. Like, what you're saying there is he's playing the, the left side of a back three. It's stopping him moving on and it's stopping us. It's making us flatter across the middle because we haven't got the man going outside the, the one of the central midfielders and bombing on into the space and we're having to knock the ball sideways across the field behind our players and it stops us, stops, stops the momentum, basically. It's very interesting. I mean, Andy Robertson, according to oneversusone.com, um, in top 10 in expected goal builder, XG buildup, top five in assists last season, and top one in expected goal chain. So he's the top of the league. He's an expected goal chain, which I believe is when the, it's the pass before the pass kind of thing, you know, where you're involved in in, in build-up play. And that, that involves him being a little bit advanced. You know, he needs to be advanced because... I totally agree. But so, you know, again, you, you go to a sort of 3-5-2 with two wingbacks, uh, Andy Robertson being one of them, um, uh, someone else, a new player, because we don't really have one, or perhaps uh, the young um, Northern Irish international, I don't know why his name escapes me. Randall, is it? I, I can't remember. Bradley, Connor Bradley. Brad- yeah, Connor Bradley and Connor <laughs> Randall. Like I don't know why I get them confused. Yeah, Connor he Randall like a youth player. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. He plays that same kind of position, pushing on his strength. Yeah. And he goes too much, too 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 far forward. We need yeah. a right back, right back. A proper right back. Someone like yeah. Timber, maybe, although he, you weren't impressed Hold with him on. in the Hold under on. 21 I said about him last week. I watched last Sunday night. I watched Italy and Holland uh, that game. I'm not sure how many people saw it. But he was absolutely diabolical. It could, just be a bad, it could be a bad game. Well, he was at fault for the first goal. Uh-huh. I can't remember the third goal or the second goal. Everyone was blaming Virgil for the third goal, and rightly so, he was poor for it. But Timber was nowhere to be found. The whole thing, Chiesa went down the wing, the ball into space for Chiesa, for Chiesa's feet, 
and Timber was um, not there, basically. You know, he just, he goes missing. And and I, it's only going to get worse in the Premiership because... You, positionally, though, him, him being so young, that's something you can learn in time. You know, I mean, for me, if he's... I mean, it depends on... some. Some people never learn it, but you know, I remember Joe Gomez was very, you know, when he was a rookie, he was very bad positionally, and by the time he got to 24, 25, he was great, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're, I don't think he learns that at Arsenal, okay. And 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 Martinez, as much as he plays for a certain team down the motorway, um, I think a lot of people rip him off and probably one of the best centered halves in the Premier League. Like, But I'd add to that as well, boys, an interesting point going to next season is formation-wise. As we've already mentioned, what will Liverpool do? Ideally for Liverpool, as every Liverpool fan has said, the last 12 months, we need to be more unpredictable. Whether that be a 4-3-3, a 3-2-2-3, um, a 5-back or whatnot. But if we are to go to a 4-3-3, I'd love, I think we've done a podcast already, us three, you know, and you've alluded to it, um, the the Dutch right back um or that plays for Bayer Leverkusen um what's his name it's completely uh, Frimpong? Frimpong, Jeremy yeah. Frimpong Jeremy Frimpong yeah, the, yeah the data mm-hmm. in terms of obviously him going forwards he's very um the closest really in terms of European football he's more of an sort of an explosive pace about him um especially and it's a massive attribute that Trent doesn't have. He's quick, Trent, but not really on 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 a level to the young that young lads anyway. But um, but it's a, the options are out there, mate, and hopefully this is something that Liverpool will be potentially long term looking at. Whether we I get love, a, yeah, I, I love where, Jeremy Frimpong. Sorry, yeah. to, I just just to yeah, come in on him because he's he's like if you look at his stats on fbref.com, they're, they're off the charts. He's he he got uh, eight goals and seven assists from thirty four Bundesliga matches um yeah so he's up there with the in the top two and one percent for loads of things like uh, non-penalty expected goals and expected assists as well as actual goals and assists but also in terms of you know shooting uh, in terms of progressive carries dribbling with the ball he's in the top one percent 5.21 per 90 that's crazy for a right back he's attack 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 not much defending so again um you know there will be questions there but when when you're in the 99th percentile for progressive carries successful take-ons touches in the attacking penalty box and progressive passes received so he's just missed the attack uh, and you know your passing completion is at 80 percent despite being such a creative player then, man, we've got to look at him. Because he can play right back, he can also play left back as well, Jeremy Frimpong. So if we're going into a wing-back situation with three centre-backs, he would be ideal. absolutely ideal. Um, yes, in terms of uh, re- recruitment, uh, transfers, um, we need to catch up Manchester City. They've they've uh, gone and booked Kovacic um, for £25 million, which is a great deal for them. Um uh, because he's still a, a really good player. So, I mean, who have we been looking at? Let's just look at Liverpool. We've got a lot of ground to catch up. The one I'm most excited about, Nigel, is Gravenberg 
from uh, Harland because I think he's got a really good profile. Someone, someone, someone with something to prove. He can play with his mate Virgil. He can and and Cody Gakpo, of course. He can. He's uh, he's he's really exciting and also got that dynamism that we've been uh, we've been lacking. Who are you most excited about for with all the rumours? I mean, there's Aussie men coming out uh, as a rumour today from a Belgian journalist, uh, Van de Ven. Uh, there's loads of rumours about Liverpool targets, Turam, Tony. Some, some people reckon in here we might have made an offer for for uh, Gabri Vera. Gabri Vega from uh, Vega, sorry, yeah, Gabri Vega. From uh, someone like we might have put in a, put in a, a bid, like. Well, I mean, who says that? Though was that another Belgian journalist? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. There's a, it's a, there's a few things. Let, let me just hang on a second here now. I'm just going to put it in here. Uh, there's a, there's no a saying it. A, it's popping up a bit on the. It's popping up here on on the on Twitter. A few people saying about him. Um, he's 21. Um, I just want people who are going to be able to like basically help out the rest of the team. You know, I don't care who wears the shirt as long as they're competent and will put in a shift. As as the, the saying always goes, the number on the, the the badge on the front is more important than the name on the back. We want guys who are wearing the badge on the front with their you know with heart. And with determination and doing it for the club and doing it for the supporters, simple as that. We could do, we're like, if somebody said to us, here's a Liverpool shirt, let's go up and do your best, can damn sure, right, we'll do our best. That's what we want. Absolutely, absolutely. That is what we want. We, we, we need the people with the passion, the people to understand the club and to, you know, to, to that Liverpool is different to other teams. I don't care uh, what, what people say. There, there is nothing, um, you know, uh, plastic or invented or, you know, like some kind of smokescreen for, uh, you know, political, uh, social, um, you know, reputational goals about Liverpool. It's, it's, it's a real football club with real values of, uh, you know, working for people, working as a collective, all of that. You know that, listener, because you're a Liverpool fan too, most probably. And I don't know, there's something about the ethos of, of our history that uh, is, has come through the generations and this team gets it, Jürgen gets it, but I just hope he's not, I hope he doesn't have a crisis of confidence, Jack, because you were talking about the, the you know, changing formation and, and this idea of inverted wingbacks. Yes, of course, our uh, results improved dramatically. Um, when we started to push Trent further forward, and Trent was a big um, part of that, but it's it's almost like it's very Pep Guardiola, and it's almost as if Klopp. I just worry that he's he's losing a little bit of confidence in what makes his teams special, and his teams, his Dortmund team, and his Liverpool team that were, that, that was special. They they involved hardworking midfielders, strong and good with the ball and sensible but able to run able to harry able to keep the press and keep the intensity and i just hope that he's not like trying to you know like steven gerrard was saying we need to add goals from midfield and all that stuff it's like i hope we can, can block out the noise and just focus on what makes his team's great. I don't know. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, the, one of the biggest conundrums going into next season for me, mate, and I love Darwin Nunes. I come out of that second leg at Anfield like going, whoever gets older, this fella. Or I was like, oh, we need to get older because he was scored about three offside goals. You could see there's a player there. He makes the runs. 
it's just a massive lack of confidence for this lads. But the, the the situations would arise if we did get twelve months in, in terms of yet again, and he's still struggling. Um, many of the players have come into Liverpool and, and buckled under the pressure, and many clubs in terms of the big clubs, especially in England. Um, it, I think we're really struggling to trying to bed him into the right position in which he wants to play, mate. Because you look at Cody Gappo, he's probably if you're Nunes, you're shaking your head going, oh. There we go. We're trying to play Nunes down the left. Obviously, he's, when he played at Benfica, he played as an inside left forward. So he's that's where he's more naturally gifted. That's where he naturally gravitates to on a football pitch anyway. Um, so it's in his game. Um, I'd have more concern if he wasn't making those runs. But I think a massive issue to what Liverpool go into next season, along with the formation as well, is trying to fit in Nunes, trying to fit in Jota as well. Josh has got a massive part to play if he can stay fit yet again. Um, but that's if he stays fit. Um, but yeah, Cody Gakpo is he's blown the door wide open for, for all those attackers, really. He's put Josh on his toes, Nunes on his toes, even Salah, really. Uh, Salah's going nowhere, of course, but I think he's helped Salah in terms of easing the pressure off the Egyptian, really, mate. But I'd agree that really, Owen, in terms of when you've You've mentioned that we've kind of fell into it. And I'd agree. What happens when we get found out in that formation, mate? I don't think we've got a plan B or a plan C. I'm hoping wrong, but we've seen when we went to Dubai last season, we wasted, what was it, two, three weeks or whatever it was. We come back thinking after the World Cup, oh, it's going to be it's gonna be, good. Virgil van Dijk's got rid of the World Cup. It'll be good. Um, but I'm, I'm always the optimist. You know me, mate. Um, and, uh, and I draw and everyone listening like but i'm hoping we do get it right but i'd like us to see not just a 3-2-2 3 formation or even a 4-3-3 i'd just like us to see a bit more even if you have to play lewis diaz on the left hugging the byline salah right mid play nunez up front with Gakpo or jose at home there's no no reason why you just at home just go for it mate but yeah a bit of fluidity really in the attacking line i'd like Nigel, you want to come in? Yeah, I'd just like to say about what Jack is saying there about Nunes. Um, we get all this grief from other fans about our transfer dealings. Like, oh, everyone said, oh, look at Virgil van Dijk, 75 million. Oh, oh, oh. Man United signed the greatest load of rubbish that's ever been purchased in, a pre- in the history of English football and for 80 million. Oh, Maguire. There were so yeah. many of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's I, I'll come round to that. And then <laughs> we get Pogba as well, Nigel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> terrible player. Terrible, terrible player. And then, then it comes around and we sign Alisson uh, for a world record fee at the time. And everyone is, oh, he's no good. Chelsea go out the week after and sign Kepa. Like, he couldn't catch a cold. And, and then, then we have Mr. Pogba. Oh, my God. Uh, and then like, people are going on about Nunes. We have the fidget spinner at United who... Bet up his girlfriend as well. Um, oh yeah, that was a horrible story. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely, another scumbag. As long as the, yeah. along with the other one, Greenwood, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and look, all all this focus from people and other fans and media is on failures at Liverpool. I just like to point out that you know, our fans. Let's start sticking up for our players. You know what I mean? Um, like Darwin Nunes, fifteen goals last season and four assists. So, so let's get behind our lads. You know what I mean? And everyone, everything's everything's a downer. You know what I mean? We we finished third 
a few seasons ago with absolute bare bones. And we're still suffering for that bare bones. That's one of the reasons we didn't do well this season, because of the bare bones of two seasons ago, or the previous two seasons, the season two, two previous. Because our players' legs were so badly worn down that we couldn't put one foot in front of the other, basically. So let's get behind our lads and give them the best, you know? Yeah, it's that sense of entitlement as well, though, boys, in it. Of course, Liverpool. Expectations as well. Every Liverpool fan, but I think I was born in 95. I didn't grow up in the... I, I kind of remember the early 2000s of, obviously, young girl and breaking and through and that, but, like, now when, obviously, you properly understand when you grow up and you fully understand what you're seeing, say, bloody hell, three Champions Leagues in five years, unprecedented, really, could have been three European Cups if it wasn't for the Real Madrid or whatnot, but it's that's football, that's life. It's like you can't win them all unless you're there breaking the rules. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it it was always going to come, and that's the caveat that everyone says. It's not us lacking ambition. We always have ambition. We're Liverpool Football Club. Um, but it's just take stock of where we are currently. Like, we were who, really, for a very long time, 32, 31 years. Um, of course, we wanted to get up. Bloody, what was it, the white trackies in uh, Wembley or whatnot. Everyone remembers them. Red Knapp and the boys rocking up. Um, with those great trackies, like they were suits, yes. yeah, the suits, like they, they spent even more money on those, uh, yeah, things, but yes, yeah, but it was so close to the greatness at the minute, and I think we all agree on that. But it's we're not as far away as quite a large <laughs> people do think we are. Uh, I know, I, don't know I disagree, I think we are quite away. I know that you're, you're, you're optimistic, and Nigel's saying we've got to get back, back, uh, you know, to, to, to back in our lads. We need to, we need to make sure we, we support our guys. But I think we're miles away from City as, as it stands. We, we need uh, three midfielders because we're going to have injuries, and we need to replace Cater, we need to replace Chamberlain, Milner. Uh, I would ideally. Uh, like to see maybe more, but I do think Curtis Jones and Bajetic have a future at Liverpool. But um, you know, we need we need the three midfielders. We need two centre backs. We need uh, two right backs in case the new right back uh, gets injured. Um, so yeah, we we got a lot of things to do. And then in attack, what no one's really talking about is is Luis Diaz's form before and after the injury. Two different players. Um, and I think we could, like the, this link that came out, uh, I think today or yesterday, with Victor Ozyman, Um, That was, you know, it's from a Belgian journalist who presumably has, you know, as much clue um, as as anybody at the at the start of a game of Cluedo as to who the murderer is or what Ozyman is feeling and what the Napoli, you know. People are thinking about a transfer. Of course, he probably has no clue, and it's probably bullshit. But at the same time, it would make sense to me to buy even one more attacker, uh, especially if Ozyman is available, because he's fucking dynamite. He's extraordinary. He's a beauty of a player. He's an absolute world-class player. Uh, and I reckon he would love. He would like love the Premier League. He would love. He would love that. But um, anyway. Anyway, anyway, I think we're miles away. I think it's the it's the the lack of clear direction that is something that, that that's that's bothering me. That's keeping me up at night. This clock going away from his original blueprint 
that involves dyna dynamism from everywhere. But we never know. You never know. For the last couple of minutes, I want to talk about um, what everyone else has been doing in the transfer market because Newcastle have signed uh, Sandro Tonali. Um, if you look at his stats, I mean, he looks very good on the eye test. Uh, I've seen him a few times. I'm not a big uh, watcher of Italian football. I never watched Serie A. But, uh, you know, I've seen him in the Champions League and things. He made 12 appearances last season. He had two assists. Um, but his stats are pretty awful if you, if you ignore the eye test and look at his stats. So, for example, his past completion is only 75%, which is in the 13th percentile which is awful his successful take-ons he doesn't take people on um his tackling 46th percentile and that's his best uh defensive stat because he's awful at intercepting blocking clearing the ball aerials one what else is he awful at progressive passes only the 46th percentile he doesn't score he doesn't create but he's one of those players that keeps things ticking along he's fairly tidy but i'm not worried about sandro tonali good young player he might develop into something better but he's not that great um, but otherwise, uh, Manchester United, uh, they want to sign Mount. I hope they do, because as I've said many times, he's entirely overrated. And uh, long may they pay over the odds for their players. Um, and then Chelsea as well, uh, Havertz going, Koulibaly, Kante, Edouard Mendy, Kovacic going to City, as we mentioned. These three teams, Newcastle, Man United and Chelsea, are three of our rivals for top four um if we buy midfielders we might challenge for top four and um i don't know what do you think nigel about, about that kind of business i had a little argument the other day in work with one of my co-workers about the general success of italian players in the premier league i said to him name me three successes he said zola i said yes one yeah give me two more Oh, good question. Have you got, yeah. got any Jack Italian players who have succeeded in the... It's too quick. Canio is a good one. Yeah, Paolo yes, Canio. Yes, okay, I'll take the Canio, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But okay. these are both... These, Zola and the Canio are both creative players. Player players. They adapt themselves. Mm -hmm. You look at guys who come from the Italian league, Alberto Aquilani, in our case, and a few others. There was another Italian that used to play for West Ham, if you're listening, Chas. And he and he went in like a couple of years after West Ham, he moved to Italy. And things. Is it Berardi or someone of that ilk anyway? And he smashed it in. A, but I'd agree there, Nigel. It is yeah. generally very, the Italians yeah. don't succeed in our in, in the Premier League because it's too quick. That's true. Uh, uh, Juan Juan Veron, uh, he's not he wasn't Italian, but I mean he played in Italy. He was brilliant in Italy and, and absolutely flopped in, in England. Uh, so yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. So you're not worried about uh, Tonali either. What, what do you reckon about Mason Mount and Manchester United? Like you said, I'd love to see him sign them for 58 million. With <laughs> 7 <laughs> million add-ons. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, the English tax has been added on by about three times there, four times. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not a player I would uh, be looking at to uh, for inspiration. Um, like English midfielder, decent but average. Uh, I think Man City have got a very good boy in Kovacic. Uh, he looks a very, very look a good player with Chelsea. Uh, looks a good player with the Czech Republic or with with Croatia, sorry, and um, just generally a very good player. Uh, on the other end, on the other end of the business, Chelsea's. Um, I'm not going to say apparent, 
uh, what you call, what you could call, you call it. Basically, it's it's more sports washing, money laundering, yeah, money laundering. That's what they do, player laundering, dishing out players, and and the, the, then there's this rumor going around that uh, Newcastle are going to get sign Neves on loan from whichever of the Saudi Saudi Arabian teams he signed for, which is an absolute farce that this has been allowed to continue, and it's going to go on with these sports washing teams over the next few years. We're going to have to, you know, it's it's going to be. Hell on earth. Football is going to get an awful lot harder to watch, I think, as if it's not hard enough already. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah, the general, the general, the general malaise. For me, I think it depends on the success of Liverpool. Um, I think if Liverpool can stick it to them, all of these cheats and, um, you know, come up with a title challenge again from nowhere. But if we sign the right players, it's possible. We still have great quality within our squad. We still just need to add to it. Um I think that I will very much enjoy football. But if, as is expected, the boring teams being Manchester United, Manchester City, uh, Chelsea, Newcastle, the, all the boring ones who are just, you know, funded by, um, you know, very dodgy sources and don't have a massive fan base, apart from Manchester United, who have a massive fan base, but they're like, uh, you know, it's Disney World by their own admission. Um, like these are it's boring to, if they if they win. I, I I think that's the danger of football. It's just is that just being a Liverpool fan? Is it just Liverpool fans are being switched off, uh, Jack, to, to to football in general? No, it'd be the crew Alexander fans would be exactly the same, mate. I think every football fan, even if you've gone to support like your, your very local local team down the park or whatnot, or like seeing your mates in Sunday league, it's. The histor- historical infrastructure, really, that football used to pride itself on. It used to be for the working man. It used to be for the, the people that just love to go and support their football team. And, again, obviously, the, the brand that is football, it's a, a multi-billion, hundred million, trillion, whatever the value is. It's ridiculous. It, it reaches corners of the globe. What I love it if it gives opportunities, especially a lot of the South American players as well, Hence why they just do so well in terms of coming up as youngsters, going into academies. They want to play football because it's just football to them. And it's all they've known, uh, and like even young lads as well. But it's it's deeply, massively coming away from the fundamental principles of what just every football fan loves and enjoys, mate. Like, given another 20 years, there won't be just tickets for going for 40 quid. All those tickets will be going for five grand. If if the if every owner in the Premier League had its way, and if there was and there's always thing with Liverpool, there's a hundred over a hundred odd thousand people on the waiting list, probably more, like trying to get tickets. Like even if people said, "Oh, I'm not going to go," there's always going to be football. Like same same with all the top teams. Similar with Newcastle now, you can't get on a season ticket. Um, but I feel sorry for the teams at the bottom, and I'd still be saying this even if Liverpool were in League One for me, miss. Um, yeah, like it, it's going to be, you think of Luton, little Luton <laughs> coming into the Premier League against these states that have got multi-billion transfer budgets. Um, I'm all for the little teams and the pyramid as a whole. But the FA, the Premier League, I'd say we'd all hope they'd do something, but we all know they won't because they're all patting each other's backs, giving handshakes, saying, oh, I'll protect you and all that. Money, 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 money. But the more money that is a washing football, the more quickly football will die for me. Very interesting stuff. It's very interesting. Um, 
And I think, but I think that's part of that's part of being a Liverpool fan. I really do. Um, uh, Ray Houghton, even brilliant Liverpool Connections podcast with Daz O'Connor. You, I don't know if you guys have heard it or if the listeners have heard it. Um, brilliant, check it out. But he was talking about you know how football. You know, there's too much emphasis on footballers in general in life in society um because you know at the end of the day for, for them for the footballers themselves and i know this from teaching at psg for example the it's just a job you know to some of them some of them absolutely adore football and they're, they're obsessed by it just as obsessed as any fan but for, for for others it's like yes okay they can be obsessed by it but at the end of the day they they can get transferred to um to italy or spain or germany tomorrow or the premier league they, you know their, their entire lives could be turned upside down at the flick of a switch you know you, you have five bad games and then you never play for the team again all of that stuff it's a very very difficult life to be a footballer especially you know if you're not the best footballer in the world for example in certain respects it's very difficult i think they're overpaid etc but um the uh yeah but where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. But Ray Houghton was saying that when you play for Liverpool and what you don't see from the outside as a player until you join Liverpool is that it's really very much a family. And this is something that Peter Crouch talks about in his new documentary, how everybody got, got around him and, and supported him when he went through for that massive barren spell after he joined of 18 games. And then when he broke his duck, that was the night that he met his wife. He went, it, it, absolutely wonderful story. Uh, love love Crouchy. And this is the thing, Liverpool is much more of a family, it's much more of a thing where and you, they can have that as players. If they, And that's that's a thing that we have and it's real and it's not fabricated. It's it's a real thing that we stand by players. It's the same with Darwin Nunez. I'm sure when he walks around uh, Liverpool, he's got tons of people just saying, we believe in you, Darwin. Whether he knows the verb to believe, uh, in English, I don't know. Uh, if you need English lessons, uh, send me a message, come on podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and um, yeah, I can try and sort it out for you. But it, it, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's something that I think it's it's just dead in other teams, isn't it, Nigel? Like, you know, this idea of, of you know, they, they, they go and they join and it's a job and you go to Man City and you get paid extraordinary amounts of money and you win some cups and it's like, yay, hooray, we won some cups. Okay. And there you go, I did my job well. And then they go home and it's just like, you know, you may as well, you may as well play for it. You can play for anyone. Do you see players coming out of the Manchester City tunnel getting the big send-off when they're finished at Liverpool or at, 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 the, at the club? coming out of the tunnel crying you do not when they're in front of their 54,000 fans yeah okay uh, that's a, another myth um, anyway uh, no you will see our players coming out of the tunnel and literally crying Bobby cried on his last day that was a tough watch and I've just seen the third part of his documentary on, on Liverpool TV is up tonight I'm really? definitely watching that that's what I'm going to watch now in a while the first two parts have been absolutely brilliant. I still haven't um, seen it. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, great. Superb. I'm really going to miss Bobby. He's, oh, man, we all are. Yeah. He's, apart from his his great skills, his smile, he's, he was the heart and soul of the club. Apart from Klopp, if you point out, you say, point out a Klopp player, Bobby Firmino would be right up there with most of the answers. They might say Salah, but Bobby was his, the most played person under Jorgen Klopp was Roberto Firmino. Yeah. And yeah. he'll always be a legend to me and a 
a big hero and with a lot of Liverpool fans. Um, we're going to just going to take it's going to take a lot to replace Bobby. But yeah, I'm hoping I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Darwin can step up because I know he's loved by Liverpool fans as it is. But now there's a gap. He's got to step into it. He has got to step into the Bobby role, the Bobby void, and fill it with Darwin as well. And I, I hope he does. I really do. Um, yeah, it's it's like it, God. It's it's hard to. To, to watch these other teams like it's, uh, what you said what we were talking about earlier on when you said about enjoying football I'll always enjoy watching Liverpool always it's just the amount of football I used to watch I could watch anything but it's gone at such a stage now where it's depressing between sports watching and the standards of refereeing which are an absolute joke um, makes it really really difficult to watch games apart from watching Liverpool Football yes. will kill itself for me, boys, eventually. If it ca- if there's no legislation put in place, uh, I think, first and yeah. foremost. Like, it, there has to be some wage cap. Um, you don't have to be owned by a multi-billionaire, in all honesty, uh, in football, really. But you know, fingers crossed. Um, it's, I loved not more than Leicester winning that league title. I was made up. <laughs> it was easy. Little flutter. Jamie Vardy, Leicester win. Easy. Every single week. I, um, I was too. I was delighted with them too, Jack. Until they stabbed uh, the players stabbed Ranieri in the back, uh, which they did. Yeah, yeah. they really yeah. did, and they suffered for it. They are and like the, the beautiful fans, moments. Mm. Their fans were singing some horrible songs as well. But uh, no, I mean it was a great story. With, in terms uh, of like the absolutely the, 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 un- the underdog yeah. footballing story is absolutely great. That's always something yeah. that we, we we're going to enjoy. Is, is the underdog. Against the odds, uh, but it's us these days. We are the underdog financially because we we're being run in a sustainable and sensible way. But uh, we'll see what happens as the summer progresses. I mean, Jurgen Klopp uh, himself he said in in late May, uh, and I quote: "It's always possible that things don't go as quick as you want. It's not only possible; it's probably likely." Uh, so there you go. Things may not go as quickly as we want, but we're going to stay patient. We're going to just see what happens. There's a heck of a long way to go this summer. In the meantime, whoever you are, wherever you are around this uh, topsy-turvy, shook-up world, uh, I hope that you're all extremely well, um, be it morning, afternoon, or evening, or night. And uh, take care. We'll, we'll, we'll speak to you very soon. Thank you very, very much to check. Uh, do check out Anfield Road TV. There's been some wonderful content lately on, on there. And Nigel is available at IrishRed11 on Twitter. Thank you so much to everybody. Take care and we'll see you soon.